You are now listening to Men of March, presented by StudentUnionSports.com. Hey, hey, Men of March. We're back for another episode. Um, we're your host, Austin Montgomery. I am joined by my guy, Dan Jakes. And we are joined by a new student union's own, Nate Marcus. He's been hustling on the mid-major grind at Student Union Sports, producing tons of great content. I'm sure you guys read his article, Sharp Stuff, Missouri, uh, journalism student in Missouri. Nate, welcome to the pod. How are you doing today? And tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, yeah, I'm a junior journalism student at Missouri, a uh, guy from Southern California, and lover of college basketball. There we go. That's what we love. And it just the more the tournament's going, there's so much stuff to cover. Just having another voice in here is always good. And we, me, me and Dan have been a little cold streak in betting. So maybe a new guy with a little bit of new luck can turn our luck around. But we didn't do bad on Monday, though. We actually went 3-1 on Monday. But someone that didn't have the best of luck was our guy Colin Julepsi from Villanova getting injured into in the Creighton game late in the second half. Dan, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it sounds like torn MCL, so he's for sure missing the rest of the year, which is a bummer for any neutral fan that loves to see really – really just fundamentally fundamentally sound point guard play. Um, he's kind of the backbone of the Villanova team. And so any anytime they needed a go-to guy to score, a go-to guy to make a play on the offensive end, he was kind of that go-to guy. And so they're going to have to find somebody to bring the ball up, what it sounded like from Jay Wright after the game. Um, it's going to be point guard by committee. But it's going to be interesting to see kind of how that actually plays out. I saw Jeremiah Robinson Earl bring the ball up once and it just, they didn't look as comfortable after Colin went out than they did before. And that, that just goes to speak to how good Colin Gillespie is and just kind of what he means to that team. Yeah, he might not be their best pro prospect or anything like that, but he's definitely the backbone of that team. And without him, they're going to be totally different. Uh, one name to look out for is going to be Justin Moore. Exactly. I think it's uh, more just the leadership been, role. I believe their second leading scorer this year. And he's probably going to have to take when he went down more of the ball How deflated the bench was and how how deflated Jay Wright is, how he means to that team. He was he was a contributor contributor on that national title team back in 2017 and 18. And it's just tough. It's just really tough to see a competitor like that go down and not compete in March. He got robbed in last year because of coronavirus, not, not being in the tourney, and now injury got him this year. It's just messed up. Situation. Yeah, it, it for sure sucks to see somebody of that caliber go down. And like Nate said, he's probably not their best NBA prospect, but for, for them, he's, he's the heart and soul of that team. So anytime that kind of leadership goes down, you, you kind of see a step back in the team's overall performances. Yeah, and then, well, thankfully, we had another close injury call to one of the probably the biggest star in college basketball, Kate Cunningham. He balled out against Baylor, rolled his ankle, but it looks like he's going to be all right. Yeah, I, I think he just – it was just a really bad tweak. <clears throat> thankfully, they were able to get him out of the game right away. So, it, it hopefully, with some treatment, 
they will be able to get that fixed right away. It live it I didn't really see anything happen live until they started showing the replays of it but it it just looked like a really bad tweak hopefully he was walking off the court after the Baylor game so hopefully he's okay and like we we mentioned in the last podcast Oklahoma State's a team that we have seen just step it up over the last month Cade Cunningham in Oklahoma State. They swept. They just came off a sweep against Oklahoma and really played Baylor tough all the way down the stretch. Um, it was their second time playing Baylor, first time with Cade Cunningham. You just saw the difference with him being on the floor and being able to compete with that Baylor team who, even after that loss against Kansas, seemed to be steamrolling again. And college basketball needs Cade Cunningham in the NCAA tournament. Like, that's just a fact. They need to have their best NBA prospect, best prospect, best player in the sport right now on the national stage in March where everyone can everyone can see him. And he hasn't really been hyped up that as much as, like, a Zion Williamson, but he's one of the best NBA prospects that we've seen since probably Ben Simmons in 2015. Yeah, yeah kid. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Nate. Go ahead. Yeah, Cade Cunningham can do it all. He brings up the ball for them a lot. He passes the ball. He's a good shooter. He's a superstar in the making. Yeah, he, he just brings a whole different dynamic than what a Zion and even what a Ben Simmons did. Ben Simmons still struggles to shoot the ball. At 6'8", six, 6'9", six, Cade Cunningham just rises up over um, point guards. If you put a small forward on him, he blows by him with the speed. It, he, he just he, – he, really the ultimate package and what you're looking for in a star player. He, he can do it all. He's shooting, I think, over 80% from the free throw line as well. So he, there's very fun. I mean, there's very few things that you see wrong with his game. And he just has that swagger too. He has that alpha mentality. He took 19 shots against Baylor. Um, seven, he had seven rebounds, four assists. He's shooting four of eight from three. He just, Every time you have you need a big shot, Kay Cunningham can hit it. He has that clutch gene too. He's not afraid of the moment when he has the ball in his hands. And you just love to see a guy like that compete when Oklahoma State initially got um, in trouble with the NCAA and it looked like they're gonna they were gonna miss the tournament. Kay Cunningham stayed, he competed, and now Oklahoma State after a petition against the NCAA or, or a protest against the NCAA, NCAA Oklahoma is going to play in the tournament and they're going to be able to do some damage. Well, yeah, they, that's been... <laughs> Sorry, Nate. Sorry. Go ahead. Nate, yeah, I'm going to let you go ahead. All right. Uh, yeah. You can see by Oklahoma state's last three games before Baylor, they won at home in overtime against Texas tech. They won on the road against Oklahoma and then they won at home against Oklahoma. Those are three big time wins college basketball needs Oklahoma State in the tournament and there's there's still a possibility that Oklahoma State doesn't get to play in the tournament they're still waiting to hear back from the NCAA now if the NCAA doesn't um if the NCAA doesn't respond to their appeal then they will make it into the tournament just because the NCAA never gave them a formal yes or no on if the appeal was accepted but I think that 
over overall at the end of the day Oklahoma State will be in the big dance and it will be a sight to see exactly and then going from Oklahoma State we'll go to talk about Baylor who coming off two losses they've won two in a row they played arguably the game of the year against West Virginia winning by five in overtime what a hell of a bad beat that was for me by the way it was, but what have you guys seen in Baylor coming off those two losses? Uh, Jared Butler was the man against West Virginia. He did everything down the stretch. He came up big in overtime before he fouled out, and he had the game time bucket that sent it to overtime. There's just not much more you can say about him, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague. That's the best backcourt in the country right now, and it has been the whole season. Yeah, I mean, Baylor looks like they're back to being Baylor. So I, I think the I, I think Gonzaga in this kind of time frame has set themselves apart by just not losing. But I, I do think that you can still have the argument that Gonzaga's 1A, Baylor's 1B, and maybe even Michigan's 1C. Now, they didn't – Michigan probably doesn't deserve that 1C after getting blown out without Ayodesumu by Illinois, but – um, you, you can you can still make that argument, I think, that there's 1A, 1B, 1C, and then the rest of college basketball. And then we got our first NC, official, official NCAA tournament team. Liberty clinches the first auto bid in the A-Sun. It's starting to feel like March, boys. Uh, conference tournaments are sweeping around the country, the first uh, or the first batch of them in the mid-major conferences. We have a big semifinal matchup in the A-10 with Bonaventure, St. Louis, Davidson, and VCU all going at it tomorrow on primetime TV. Nate, you're the big mid-major guy. Tell us a little bit about it. All right. The A-10 semifinals are simply going to be must-see TV. There's going to be pro prospects all over the court. In the St. Louis VC, St. Louis St. Bonaventure game, you're going to have a St. Bonaventure team who's old. They start five juniors. Kyle Lofton plays 95% of minutes, leads the team in scoring and assists. On the other side, you're going to have St. Louis, a team who was preseason expected to do big things and win the conference. They're led by Jordan Goodwin, Javante Perkins, and Hassan French, three guys who are all seniors and really are the backbone of that team. And then on the other side, you have Davidson and VCU. VCU is led by a point guard who's been banged up a little bit lately, Nashawn Bones Highland. This is a guy with unlimited range. He's the anchor of their defense, and he might be a first-round pick either this year if he declares and definitely next year if he goes. Uh, Davidson, they're coached by Bob McKillop, who's always going to have his team prepared for conference for tournament time. Uh, they have Kellen Grady, who seems like he's been in college basketball forever, and Hyung Jung Lee, who's averaging 15 points a game. He's a sophomore and shooting 50-40-90. So both those matchups should be fast-paced, up and down, and they should be real close games. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to that St. Louis-St. Bonaventure game. And just, if we're going to really see a St. Louis team that we thought we were going to see in the preseason, because outside of their game against LSU in the beginning of the year, we haven't really seen the St. Louis team go off. It's always been one guy, it's been inconsistencies, like Javante Perkins would have a good game, Goodwin have a bad game. There's some time games they're able to hit their threes, 
and then they would shoot 30% from the line and vice versa. And so with them, they're definitely one of the 68 best teams in the country talent-wise, but I'm not sure if they're there resume-wise. Must-win game against St. Bonaventure. Again, like you said, Nate, very talented uh, veg- veteran-related team. He's going to be a sleeper in the tournament as well. So I'm really curious how – what's going to happen there. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're going to see a very aggressive St. Louis team just because they're playing for their tournament lives at this point. I think that they're probably one of the first four teams in currently. A win against St. Bonaventure, I think for sure, settles their place in the NCAA tournament, whether that's still in the first four or the next four, that's kind of t- uh, to, be, to be determined with how the rest of the country plays out. But I, I think you're going to see really competitive games across the board. I think Davidson is going to try and take VCU, uh, be a bid stealer. And, I mean, just Bones Highland, man, he's awesome. I love watching that kid play. He had 30 and 10 after being banged up for almost two, three weeks. So, I mean, that, that kid's just awesome. Yeah, I feel like Bones is kind of um, a poor man's John Moran. That, that's an interesting, that's an interesting uh, profile right there. Yeah, I feel like he's very athletic. He's not as skilled as Jaw was at Murray State because at least Jaw. Well, Jaw was a number two overall pick in the freaking draft, and he's an NBA, and he's going to be an NBA All-Star soon. So comparing him to him, I know it's a high mark, but Highland has all the tools. Like, he's he's long. He's a great defender. He's shown recently that he's a hell of a shot maker. I don't know if you saw the buzzer beating. Buzzer he's a beater knockdown shooter. Yeah. He's a buzzer. The buzzer beater at the end of the first half against Dayton, which is freaking ridiculous. And so – he can beat you off the dribble and he's one of the, he's the most, one of the most exciting players. Most of the country doesn't know about yet. Yeah. I mean, if, if they don't know him by now, they're going to know him in March. That's for sure. So going to bracketology, is there, how strong is the case for three bid a 10 then Dan? I, I think St. Bonaventure is for sure an automatic lock right now. I think VCU is an automatic lock. <clears throat> like I said, I think St. Louis, if they win against St. Bonaventure tomorrow, they're in. But right now, I, th- I think they're sitting at Team 66, possibly. But it- it'll, be- it'll be close. I, I think it-, it really just depends on how much the selection committee truly plays into the fact on how teams go into pauses and how they come out of pauses. Because if they look at that, then I think St. Louis is for sure a tournament team. That's a, that's a very interesting point. Cause it's something I feel like most of the tournament teams have dealt with. Right. I think the only team that's come out of the pause and just nuked people are Gonzaga and Michigan. I feel like everyone else has kind of struggled or at least had a one hiccup game. Right. For sure, and I have have Gonzaga even come or gone into a pause. Yeah, they went on that. Remember, they were supposed to play Baylor. They got a positive test. They yeah, they, okay. So it's a shorter pause. It was like a two week pause. Yeah, and then they played Iowa on CBS in the morning game, and just and they're up by like thirty or something at halftime. 
Yep. So I, I mean, I, I really think that should be a part of what the committee looks into this year. I mean, if they don't, then they're, they're not doing their job at looking at a whole team's resume. So a little discount. Um, I, I get your point. Too. I don't know exactly. If it's something every team has to deal with, like COVID, it's just a reality that every team has to deal with. So I guess teams that are able to deal with it better may get just awarded for it. So I think that's another – just being devil's advocate, I think there's that's another way to look at it as well. Absolutely. But I, don't know, I don't know if you can excuse St. Louis's loss to LaSalle. St. Louis has a couple of bad losses. Because yeah, COVID. I, I absolutely think they're a talented enough team to make a tournament. Make the tournament. I just don't know if that loss against LaSalle, if getting swept by Dayton, uh, Minnesota has slid drastically over the past month. I think they should keep it out of the committee's hands and probably win the A10 tournament. I agree, and they'll have a shot, a pretty good shot to do that. They're a two-point favorite against St. Bonaventure tomorrow, and they'll and if winning after winning that they would get the winner of VCU and Davidson two teams they match up pretty well against so we'll move forward in bracketology what's new um who are the winners and losers this week Dan well I can tell you after their loss tonight I can tell you Western Kentucky is a huge 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 loser uh after losing to Old Dominion I mean that that takes away any any chance they had at an auto or not an auto auto bid, um, an at large bid, that they, they will have to win the conference USA tournament to get into the tournament now. Um, Georgia Tech with their win today, I, I I would find it very difficult to keep them out of the NCAA tournament as well. And yeah, then, I think we uh, go go ahead, Nate. Uh, yeah, Georgia Tech is a team that's really caught fire lately. They have a big man named Moses Wright, who's really one of the best players in the country that people aren't talking about. He scored at least 28 points every uh, three games before they played today. And him, Jose Alvarado, who's a senior, and Mike DeVoe, who's a senior, form a pretty prolific trio there in Atlanta. And they're just a super fun team to watch with Alvarado. Usher, Moses Ray. I saw them. They're about 100 to 1 to win the NCAA tournament. And I was talking to a couple of friends in Vegas who who do like the prop swap thing. And it's I can definitely see Georgia Tech making the Sweet 16 and making that ticket valuable. Like having like 50 bucks on Georgia Tech to win $5,000. That ticket will be valuable if they make the 16 and get a good matchup. Because I don't want, I don't, I would not want to see Georgia Tech as an 11 seed. Because if they get a favorable favorable matchup where they can play uh, Purdue as a six seed and Villanova as a three seed, I can see them. I can see them making the sweet the Sweet Sixteen and challenging in Iowa, challenging in Ohio State. Like they're just so versatile. Versatile. They're they have a chance to shoot the lights out of the ball, which is something you can do in the tournament. They kind of remind me of that Auburn team in 2019 that made the final four with Jared Harper and, and Brown and that Bruce Pearl laden team. I think Mo, uh, Moses Wright can have the same impact as a Chuma 
I can't. I don't remember his last name. A Koke. Did I say that right? Okiki. Okiki had in that Auburn run a couple of years ago. They're just they're just one of the teams that can light up March, and they're not. And if they don't go, if they don't get on people's radar by winning the ACC tournament, I can see them being a surprise team that makes a run. We saw UConn win against Seton Hall. Do you think UConn's firmly in the field, uh, Dan? Yeah, I, th- I think UConn's in. I think now this is past um, tournaments as well. They, they do look into player injuries, specifically key name players. So James Bonite being out, that, that's going to be them being, I want to say, 10 and 3 something like that with him in the lineup and then something like five and five out or with him out, they, they will take that into account. <clears throat> so I do think that UConn is in, I think one team to kind of keep your eye on is Syracuse. They have had a couple really nice wins and then a couple really bad losses. So they, they do this to themselves every year. They put themselves in a position to be in position and then they'll win a big game and then lose a bad game. So they, they're always one of the hardest teams to seed just because of their bad losses. On the subject of bubble teams, uh, just a quick shout out and probably rest in peace to Seton Hall's at-large hopes. Uh, they've lost three games in a row, bad losses against Georgetown and at Butler, and then a home loss to Connecticut on Wednesday night. They have a big man. Uh, they have Sandro Mamakashvili, who's one of the best players in America. So not having him in the tournament is going to be sad. They're just, I don't know, Seton Hall was just one of those teams that beat all the teams they should, but never challenge any of the teams they played against as an underdog. And it just kind of, just the big East has just been super underwhelming. And a year, if you had like a going 500 in the Big Ten is not as impressive as going 500 in the Big East. So Seton Hall got the short end of the stick. Yeah, I, I think they have really underperformed this year. Uh, it, like Nate said, it'll be sad to see Sandro, Sandro not play in the NCAA tournament this year. But as a team, they just, as a collective, they didn't put together many top-notch performances. They didn't win games against the Novas, against the Creightons, that really would have put them over the hump. And so it, it really hurts to see them not make it. But I, I do think that they will come back pretty pretty loaded next season. So then we'll talk about another bubble team who advanced today based on a COVID test from their opponent, Drake trying to win the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament. But the bigger story is Northern Iowa had a COVID test and had to exit Arch Madness without getting to really compete or they or compete in today, rather. Um, what, what did you hear about that, Dan? Well, it sounded like there was a positive test or an unconclusive test that came back probably about 45 minutes before tip. And so when neither teams came out to warm up, um, we saw a lot of Twitter action 
come onto the timeline and they were really struggling to figure out what was going on. <clears throat> and this is a day after Northern Iowa won a very tight game. So we, we were all interested to see how that was going to play out. And just like in the NCAA tournament, if a team tests positive, they aren't going to refill that position. So if you if you test positive, you're just out. So it was really interesting to see kind of the first tournament positive test just kind of kicked out and kicked to the curb like that. So Drake now in position to have a couple of days rest going into a possible matchup with Loyola Chicago again for the Arch Madness title. Yeah, and just I think it just it's interesting that um, it happened this early and just sending a message to other teams when it comes to tournament time. You gotta, you gotta quarantine. You gotta follow the protocols, and you, and a COVID test can ruin your season. So, it's something just it's just the reality of playing basketball here in 2021. Another area we'll go through. Keep on going through the conference tournaments here, giving love to our mid majors, starting with. The American East and a kind of an underrated matchup that I wish would have happened last year. Hartford is playing Vermont. Vermont's just kind of dominated the American East Conference for the last five or so years. And these two teams were about to meet literally an hour before COVID shut down for the for the NCAA championship last year. Hartford has never made a tournament in school history. The way, and they've been pretty good this year, 13 and eight. They're a nine point dog against Vermont. Nate, what do you think about this American Eastern matchup? I'm going to be honest. I haven't seen a lot of Hartford, but I've seen a couple games that Vermont has played. They have Ryan Davis, who is the American East player of the year. And any team that's coached by John Becker is going to be one that is going to be able to compete in tournament time. Yeah, this Hartford team, I've watched a lot of Hartford actually this year. And what John Gallagher has done with this program and just turn it on its heels again, back to back top finishes in the American East conference. This team was out to dry the last, last few years have, has never been competitive. They played a pretty tough schedule. They competed against UConn in the first game of the year that I saw. They're really, they're low key, like one of the better teams against the spread. They're, I think they're 58% against the spread on the year. And I think this is kind of an upset play here, and it's going to be my first pick of, of the day on Saturday. I think the line's a little too much. Vermont's getting a little too much credit. Hartford is a really good uh, versatile team on the offensive end. And they limit three-point shooting, too. They're one of the best perimeter-defending teams in the country, ranking 16th against the three. We know how Vermont, uh, they shoot a lot of three-pointers. They shoot the 66th most attempts in the country. Like you said, Ryan Davis is a sharp shoot, the shooter. They have Steph Smith. So we'll, we'll start our bets our bets on the right foot with a random American East semifinal matchup. I'll take Hartford plus the nine. Is Hartford becoming the uh, new St. Joseph's now that they're out 
Maybe. I, I picked them in the Jerome, so I'm hoping for the extra Jerome points. <laughs> I, I think we will officially sponsor Hartford men's basketball as the new team of Men of March podcast. Yeah, we had we tried to push the St. Joseph train, and man, Ryan, I don't know, UMass just decided to shoot 60% in <laughs> half and knock our dream down. We, I won't lie to you, they went a little bit further than I thought they would. <laughs> so, wait, let's get Hartford in the tournament. Never made the tournament club, let's add, add Hartford to the list. What, uh, Dan, where are some bets for you this week? All right, my, my plays this week, I really don't – some of these lines I was not too sure on, so take everything I say, probably fade me on it. I've been very cold recently. <clears throat> I've probably lost a lot of our viewers some money, so I apologize. I will not be sending out any cash returns, but I will say I do like Missouri minus two versus LSU tomorrow. Something about Quanzo Martin's team. Just, I, I love, I love Con, Quanzo and just everything that he stands for. So I, I'm going to give Mr. Martin a shout out, give, give his Tigers minus two. As much as I hate to say it, <clears throat> I, I do think Illinois, without Ayu Dusumu, has become a very dangerous team. And they're even more dangerous with him. So I, I like them plus two at Ohio State tomorrow. And then St. Bonaventure, the Bonnies, I, I like them plus two against St. Louis in the semifinal. And then talking, we'll get to Nate and my pick. But we'll just kind of we're, – we're just watching the games here. Games are still going on. GCU, my alma mater, is about to have a major choke job here. They ha- All they had to do was win today to secure – their first WAC championship in school history, and they're losing at home as a nine-point favorite against Utah Valley. Things you hate to see that. You hate to see it. <laughs> also, another game to keep an eye on, Colorado State's currently tied at Nevada. Colorado State's another one of those Mountain West teams that's on the last four in, first four out kind of bubble, and if they lose at Nevada, that's going to be pretty crippling for their at-large hopes. And how about LMU? They're up two against San Francisco. Stan Johnson has done one of the most underrated coaching jobs. Uh, LME won their, this, this was their first winning season in the WCC in almost a decade. There, people don't know, like San Francisco was supposed to be a team that was supposed to actually challenge Gonzaga this year. Like it was Gonzaga BYU, but San Francisco is a dark horse. And Todd Golden never really got that team going. Um, I think they got they got the ball down to with 15 seconds to go here. Let me try and pull it up. And then, yeah, and GCU is officially dead. They had to get a stop. And then one of the best rebounders in the – Utah Valley, low-key, has one of the best rebounders in the country. His name is – he's averaging like 15 rebounds again. Fardar Amaku from Vancouver, Canada. He's averaging 14 points and 15.4 rebounds a game, 6'11". He's just dominating them on the boards. And the Lopes will have to win tomorrow to get their first WAC championship. That kind of bumps me out a little bit. But 
that's that's what sometimes it just be like that sometimes though it do be like that unfortunately i will say i have secured tickets to the big 10 men's basketball conference tournament they were uh, currently eight dollars on StubHub. so that's not, that's not bad the first four tickets i heard just got put on on the market, you'd like pre-order them for the NCAA tournament. I'll have to check those out. Yeah, the tournament's going to be in your neck of the woods, man. I know. I, I I hate how much money I'm about to spend going to these things, having not gone to any sporting event in what feels like years. All right, we'll get uh, get to our bets right here like dan we're i'm pretty due like we i went one and one yesterday i was on tilt all saturday couldn't win a bet to save my life just kept on burying myself a grave game after game so hopefully like it can't be worse than last week it can't be worse we started off with hartford plus nine and we'll follow it up with there's no line on the game, but I'm going to take Belmont minus whatever against Moorhead State or freaking Eastern Kentucky. I know Belmont lost their last two against those teams, but they didn't have Nick Mazinski. I think Belmont will probably be a minus two or minus three point favor against Moorhead and minus four and a half or minus five against Eastern Kentucky. No official line. Belmont minus, I don't give a crap how many points. Give me the Bruins tomorrow. Love that confidence. Then we're talking about Bones Highland. See, I'm making bets, and there's not even a freaking line yet. I'm just having faith in uh, my gut here, which probably not the best decision making, but you know what? We'll go with it. Um, same thing. With that's, a, that's a Friday night. We're getting weird. VCU against Davidson. Haven't had a line yet. Don't give a crap what it is. I'm taking the Rams. Bone Thailand's gonna come through for me. And then I've I probably have bet at least a hundred dollars in every Pepperdine game this year. So we're gonna keep continuing with the wave train. Colby Ross, one of the best point guards in in the country. Lorenzo Ramar due to win the big one. Pepperdine that they had their highest seed in the WC tournament in over three or three decades. Man, if Gonzaga doesn't show up, don't be surprised to see my Pepperdine waves in the turning, man. If Mark Few decides to be like, screw it, I'm not showing up to the tournament, the waves are live to go dancing. I don't even know how the NCAA would do that. I'll figure that out. If Gonzaga just said, nah, I'm not showing up to the tournament, the WCC tournament. And then an actual play... And we'll go – and then from me, we'll say, Nate, what do you got um, going on uh, betting-wise this weekend? All right, I got two plays. One of them is going to be USC minus one against UCLA, a little cro- uh, L.A. crosstown rivalry. It's at Poly Pavilion, but I think UCLA is just a horrible matchup for USC. And USC is coming off a bounce-back one against Stanford. Evan Mobley is, I think, neck-and-neck neck with Cade Cunningham for the number one pick. He's a 6'11 big who's got 
all the tools you could want, block shots, rebounds, dunks, everything, got a nice jump shot. And he just presents a horrible matchup along with his brother, Isaiah, against a really decimated UCLA front line who's down to Cody Riley and backups. Uh, then one more, I have a pick from the same game that Dan picked with Mizzou and LSU. I love the over 159 in that game. Uh, LSU's played some awful defense this season. They've allowed 80 points to Georgia. They've allowed 80 points to, they allowed 80 points to Arkansas two weeks ago. They let Vandy almost score 70. And Mizzou isn't the defensive, like, vaunted machine that a Conzo Martin team is normally. They've allowed 80 points to bad offenses like Ole Miss, Auburn, Mississippi State almost scored 80 points on them. And if Mizzou gets the pace pushed, they like to run it with the other team. They scored 80 points multiple times against Arkansas, 80 points against Oregon and Illinois. I like the over there in a game that probably shouldn't feature much defense. And then one LMU officially beat um, San Francisco, so they'll probably play St. Mary's tomorrow. I think I'll actually make an actual bet with an actual line here for once. I think I watched Indiana play Michigan. Like, they can't shoot. Like, they're awful. But despite that, I, I'm going to take them against Purdue here, plus the seven. I'll probably regret it at 12 o'clock noon tomorrow. But Trace Jackson Davis, I've been seeing Indiana as like the first four out. I don't know how their name can still be there. But if this is a must-win game, like they have to beat Purdue in Mackey Arena. Archie Miller, just going to find, I don't know, find a way to get it done. I just think the seven points are too much. Hopefully praying they can keep it close. I think there's a little overreact. It makes no sense for them to be a seven and a half point dog against Michigan and have the same line against Purdue, even if it's on the road rivalry game. I think they show up with their best performance. Give me Indiana plus seven. Sorry, Dan. Oh, you don't have to apologize. To me. You're going to be the one losing money, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, Indiana is just such a weird team. And with how many top recruits they have from the state of Indiana, they they should, they have been underperforming, and it's just it's honestly really bad, just because they brought in Archie Miller to do this job to get them back to, not maybe not even national prevalence, but just prevalence in their own state, and then they haven't even beat Purdue in years. I mean, I I think. Purdue has gone almost two years straight without even losing to IU. So I, I can't I can't imagine them coming in the Mackey and beating them, truthfully. Well, that means IU is due. <laughs> and then that's I think that's about that's so that's it. it. And so that's and that will do. Um, appreciate having Nate on. And this is also the government signing out. We'll see you guys next week.